improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Martin Harvey. I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today is episode 100 and I'm going to share a few lessons that I feel like I've learnt over the course of 100 lessons and then we're going to go into a couple of questions from listeners and they're along a theme. And so this is the show me the money episode of Under the Influence. Um, what I mean by that is there are a lot of things that how we charge, when we charge, the the type of choices we give people in terms of how they pay, that that communicates stuff. It communicates a lot about value and it can impact the likelihood of people choosing to have care or choosing not to have care. It can impact whether they choose to refer people to you. It can impact whether they choose to continue to have care in the long term. So lots of things for us to unpack there in terms of how you set up your fees and your payment plans, etc. And it's an interesting and important topic, so we will be looping back to that. A couple of announcements. Uh, The Retention Recipe 2.0 is available online. The Certainty 2.0 is also available online. And the next live uh, event I'll be doing is Vizmai and I will be doing our Grow Your Tribe uh, seminar in Queensland on in August so uh, watch out for dates we should be finalizing that in the next couple of weeks so 100 episodes I've got to say that when I started the podcast a couple of years ago I didn't ever really think it would get this far I was it was a short-term experiment that I wanted to I love listening to podcasts and I felt like podcasts might be a really valuable medium to be able to communicate some of the ideas that I think can help chiropractors and also help the people who can benefit from chiropractic but I didn't think 100 episodes was going to be a realistic goal anyway here we are and so first of all thank you all for your support thank you for your positive comments thank you for your questions it's all part of the process so i appreciate it now what have i learned from doing 100 episodes there's a couple of things there are certain topics which people seem to be super interested in so anything that i put out that has to do with the first visit or two is uh, tends to get a really high level of listenership and also things that address specific common situations, communication challenges, they tend to be the big ones. And then um, guests, there are certain guests who will draw a big crowd as well. Um, more broadly, if I zoom out a little bit, I would say it demonstrates to me that there is a move towards this more client-centered, humanistic approach to communication that I am advocating for, the approach that we need to kind of meet people where we're at and communicate value in terms of things that are important to them rather than telling the story about chiropractic. Uh, Evidence for that is the podcast has now grown to where overall we've had more than 40,000 downloads and we've got literally hundreds and thousands of people around the world listening um, every week 
Uh, it's allowed me to, I guess, go from being uh, having a primarily Australian-based audience to one that is international. And so that's, I guess, I learnt that this approach, this desire to help people and also communicate the value of chiropractic in a way that kind of balances this this idea of change, helping people change their belief system but also being kind of gentle with people along the way that there's an international interest in doing that. Second thing in terms of feedback that I've got is that the second lesson is that really small changes can have huge effects. It can have small changes can have huge effects on the growth of people's practices, their confidence in communicating chiropractic and their comfort in communicating chiropractic. Because I get feedback from people where people have just made one simple change. You know, maybe they've added bridging to their communication or they've started using two parts to the problem as a device in their first couple of visits and then found that everything came together after that. So I guess in transmitting my lesson to your lessons, I'd encourage you to just make simple, small changes to your communication and uh, monitor how things go because it can be just a subtle little change that then has that massive impact downstream. Um, the other thing that sort of connected to this is that um, I kind of, if we want these approaches to communicating chiropractic to spread, I need your help. The way I look at it, we have a community, we have communities that desperately need chiropractic and they desperately need the perspective we have on health so that they can live much more healthy, active lives. I think the chiropractic perspective on the nature of health and the things that give us better health are incredibly important and potentially transformative. But unfortunately, one of the biggest barriers to people starting chiropractic care is the reputation that we have. And yes, some of that is not our, of our doing. Some of that is that there's been misinformation spread by people with vested interests in people continuing to take drugs as their primary response to health challenges. But if we're going to be completely honest, we brought some of it on ourselves by using clumsy, uh, the ends justify the means type communication that has been common in chiropractic. And I sort of look at this podcast as a free uh, way that we can help chiropractors around the world do better in their communication in a way that does better for them, but also does better for the people that are in their community. And so if I can ask one favor of you is that if you've got value from the podcast, can I get you to just today think of somebody who you could share the podcast with so that when we get to 200 episodes, we're having even more of an impact. All right. So into the content of the episode. It's going to be all about money and pricing and related things. So first question uh, came from Dr. Aaron and uh, this is his question. Recently, I've had a couple of new patients not show up, only two over three weeks, but it really etched in my soul. It's got me thinking about a money down type scenario that my website could easily deal with when new patients book in. 
I have a huge amount of social proof around my skill set. He's been a little aside. Aaron's been in the same location for many years and is an excellent chiropractor, which is why I think I could do this successfully. My question for your show, if you think it's interesting, yes, I do, um, is does having money in the game before you even meet the clinician set you up to double down on them, you know, essentially um, making a boat with your pocket previously, or does it set up a scenario where they see me as being all about the money? Okay, some really interesting points in there, and I agree it could go either way. Um, in general, what the literature says is that where you ask people to make a big commitment initially, that will filter some people out. Less people will balk. Um, the reason for that is people uh, have loss aversion, uh, but also people like to keep options open. And so making a high level of commitment initially um, will mean that some people will choose not to. Um, you can mitigate some of that loss aversion by using, you know, having a refund policy that's explicitly uh, on the website right next to that. Um, and uh, it, it, what the upside of it is that, yes, having people make a higher level of commitment early does tend to make people feel more highly committed when they do come in. Um, and you can um, sort of would cover off both parts of it by using the idea of scarcity. So what do I mean by that? So um, you could have something along the word the, the along the lines of Dr. Only uh, Dr. Aaron is a um, experienced and sought after um, chiropractor, and because of this, only has five new client spaces a week. To avoid having to have a lengthy wait list, and we require the first visit to be prepaid. And so what essentially this does is it gives a because. We've spoken about this previously, that people will go along with a whole bunch of things if there is a because. And um, giving a because means that people will be will see that, oh yes, that makes sense. But it does a couple of other things. It first of all shows that you're doing this not just to be about the money, you're doing it to make sure that you're able to help people. So it, it couples it with an almost altruistic perspective to mitigate against that sense that it could be... Um, it could be just being seen as just being about money rather than being about service. Um, the uh, upside of that sort of pre-commitment is that people value what they paid for. There's this really interesting psychology where once we've paid for something, it triggers an internal psychology within us, an internal psychological drive, where we tend to want to justify the reasons that it was a good choice to make. And so in coming in and having prepaid, people are almost subconsciously looking for the good things that you offer. Um, and so it can set things up well for that. Uh, and it also communicates a degree of exclusivity, a sort of confidence that um, if you look at the, the inverse of that, there is a tendency when people offer a free service for us to, to assume that it's not a very high quality. The flip side of that is if you're demanding that it, you have to do certain things and prepay, then it can communicate a degree of exclusivity. So I can see that there's a whole lot of value in doing it 
and you may want to just mitigate against some of those um, perception issues by the wording as we've outlined uh, in the discussion here. Um, now, that's the specific advice for Aaron in his circumstance. If you're early on in practice and you want to cast a broader net, then I would discourage you from doing that. In general, you, if you were wanting to have people have an experience of chiropractic and they understand that there are going to be a large number of people who are kind of uncertain about whether it's for them or not, lowering the barrier of entry, i.e. having people come in and then they're paying on the way out and sort of going in accord with their expectations, etc., is probably going to mean that, yes, you may have every now and then people not turning up, but you will tend to have a higher number of new clients and that can be a good way of promoting growth. Okay, so question two comes from Dr. Mike. Um, I'm considering moving away from prepay and direct debit um, to more pay-as-you-go and 12-visit packages. My hesitation is I'll get an affordability objection, but I now value my care more and can see with time how they will too. On top of that, it takes away potential commitment barriers. Can you shed some light on that? I'm a foot in each camp, as it were. Yeah, and some very similar issues in terms of this ongoing payment. Um, because getting people to prepay a large portion of their adjustments, you know, having people prepay for, you know, months of care or whatever um, has some advantages, um, but it also does come with some disadvantages. So let's explore them. Um, the model where people are offered or encouraged to buy higher number of visits has a disadvantage that you're offering people who are new to you something that's probably bigger than they expected when they came in. In most places, the predominant way that healthcare works is a fee at the time of service and the places where uh, the, mo the, the business models where there's a significant uh, move towards prepayment, say like gym memberships, don't have a fabulous reputation typically for their billing approaches. So it doesn't sort of come in with automatically something that consumers are looking to do. Um, so you're going to run into a higher proportion of people who will say no. Um, connected to that, you, ha you have the issue that require, particularly where it's the only option is for people to prepay for a large number of visits, there's a higher likelihood that people will perceive that that is being pushy, that that's kind of impinging. You're trying to encourage them to make a particular choice before they've even tried your care. So uh, it can be perceived as impinging on people's good, uh, uh, right to make decisions for themselves. And that can evoke reactance, which is where people choose not to do something, even if they can see logically it's likely to help them. Um, so end point of that is, the fewer options that you have and the higher commitment that you ask people to make, the more likely that people will say no to it and the more likely that they'll be kind of a little bit pissed off about it. So is it all bad? No. Um, there is the upside of it, which, yep, the people who do say yes will have more skin in the game and therefore are more committed. Um, the uh, And you also have that 
there's a concept in the psychology literature where they talk about the pain of paying, meaning every time we pay for something, there's a degree of sort of pain associated with it. And so getting people to have that pain once at the beginning and then you don't revisit until a considerable period may make things uh, better. The, the pain of pain is quite an old theory in the liter psychology literature. And there's a number of behavioral economists who actually say that the, the previous literature on it probably overstates it. So I guess my overall take on it is that you can, offering it as an option is not a problem, but you can probably get better results and higher retention by having options where people can prepay for a significant portion of their visits, um, prepay for an initial 12 visits or and even have a pay-as-you-go option. Uh, and that will allow people to sort of have that sense of they're in control. Um, it will have a downside in that you have a more uh, homogenous population of people. You're not getting everybody in who's um, got that higher level of pre-commitment. Um, all right. Another thing with it is that in general, uh, where you look across industries, the higher the level of prepayment in general means that people will have lower uh, per visit uh, fees to make that make sense. Um, there's an upside to it, though, in that there's a, it's administratively a lot easier to just deal with one lot of payment rather than having that every visit. Um, now, uh, there's some really interesting research that uh, has been published more recently that shows that when there's a big separation from the time that people pay for something to the time that they consume it, they're actually less likely to consume it because the psychology of it is that they're less likely to want to kind of get the most out of their payments. So the research was done in a couple of different scenarios. It was looking at people in gyms who prepaid for the whole year versus paid monthly, that people who prepaid for the whole year were likely to try and get their money's worth early on in their membership and then less likely to go to the gym further along. Um, whereas people who paid monthly were more likely to have this kind of reminder that they were paying for something and that would trigger a more frequent use of the service. Um, there's also similar research that's been done where people pay for concerts and those sort of things in advance and that people who pay closer to the time of going are more likely to go. So I'm not 100% sure how that plays into it, but I guess I would look at it if, if our goal is to have people to want to have care over a considerable period of time and we're not running that kind of gym membership model of we charge people a fee and then within the hope that they don't use the service, um, that we actually do want people to have care so that they get the benefits from it. I sort of wonder whether having some sort of ongoing, even if it's a direct debit, um, to move away from the disadvantages of pay-as-you-go, that maybe that's the sweet spot. So I hope this okay, slightly different um, episode where we're, I'm not talking about a, a specific scenario per se, but exploring a more general topic around the idea of money has been interesting. I would love to hear your thoughts. 
uh, please feel free to shoot me a message on social media or shoot me an email. The link is in the show notes and I'll catch you again next week. If you like today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over seven hours of content which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So if we want to have long-term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes.